Hello and welcome to the Interviews Podcast with Peter Hinton, produced by the National Arts Centre English Theatre and coming to you from the Salon at the National Arts Centre in Ottawa. I'm Sean Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the eighth and final interview of the NAC English Theatre's 2010-11 season. In each episode, we will take you into the intimate world of the artists and creative minds behind productions on stage at the National Arts Centre English Theatre. In them, Artistic Director Peter Hinton chats with a guest artist associated with the production. In this interview podcast, Peter speaks with Lorraine Kimsa Theatre for Young People Artistic Director Alan McInnes about the theatre, creating work with young people in mind, and how I Think I Can, co-created by Florence Gibson and Sean Byfield, came to life. I Think I Can played in the NAC Theatre May 11th through to the 28th. For more information about the NAC English Theatre presentation of I Think I Can, please visit www.nac-cna.ca. Click on English Theatre. And now, here are Peter Hinton and Alan McInnes. Good afternoon, everybody. Hi. Uh, we're just uh, taking a moment here for the last few people to come in as we're all uh, setting up for the Governor General's Performing Arts Awards this evening. That's what's going on out there. Uh, my name's Peter Hinton. I'm the Artistic Director of English Theatre here at Canada's National Arts Centre. And... Uh, Welcome back to the interview, those I recognize, and uh, if this is your first time, uh, the interview is an opportunity to talk with artists associated with the production we currently have playing. And uh, I'm very excited to uh, welcome today Alan McInnes, who's the artistic director of the Lorraine Kimza Theatre for Young People, who are the producers of I Think I Can. And before I invite you to join me in welcoming Alan, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Alan has worked in professional theatre for 30 years. He has been artistic associate at Alberta Theatre Projects in Calgary, artistic director of Prairie Theatre Exchange in Winnipeg, and for the past eight years has been the artistic director of Lorraine Kimsa Theatre for Young People in Toronto, which is Canada's largest theatre for young audiences. He has directed new works and classics at theatres across Canada, taught at many of Canada's professional theatre training institutions, and sits on the advisory council for George Brown College Theatre School and is a board member of the Toronto Alliance for the Performing Arts. So please join me in welcoming Alan McKinnis. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what we're going to do is I'm going to chat with Alan for 20, 25 minutes or so, and then we'll open up uh, the floor to questions that you might have for Alan about I Think I Can or about his theater or about himself. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to open by saying this year we've done a season that has been looking at youth as a, a theme, if you will. All the plays in the season were, are informed by the impact young people have on the world. And uh, maybe, I think I can, is one of the most populist choices I think we made. And mm -hmm. also, 
the most radical, I think. Mm -hmm. And that may be because your theater in Toronto mm -hmm. is a young people's theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe I'd like to open by saying, um, what is your experience in theater that's traditionally programmed for adults mm -hmm. and theater that's traditionally performed or programmed for kids? Mm -hmm. And how do you see those two things relating or related? if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I talk about the fact that um, the, uh, the audience that we have is a real audience today, and we're not uh, in the job of turning them into the audiences of tomorrow. And a lot of people make that, that assumption that the point of creating work for young audiences is to train them to like the theater, mm. as though they're not a real audience. And they, uh, we don't take that point of view. They are a real audience right now and, and uh, capable of being really... Uh, engaged audiences and, and looking for the same kinds of stimulation and challenge and all the things that adults would look for. I, but I would say that we are very mindful of everything that we say to kids in the way that adults are. We are mindful of what impact um, an image or a statement might have, not to be careful or, or shield them in any way, but simply mindful of what we're talking about. And we might say with adults, um, well, if you are challenged by that and you disagree with it, it's kind of up to you to, to cope with it in any way you want. But with young people, if we're challenging you with an image or a, a story or a statement, we're going to follow through on that. We've got some kind of responsibility to make sure that, that, that uh, we're not just leaving them with uh, an experience <laughs> and there's no opportunity to process it because they're, they are in the midst of uh, many, many great steps in their development. So I think that for me is the main difference. And I have to say that very often uh, I observe uh, parents coming with their children um, starting off watching their kids watch the show and beginning to, <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, I'm watching the show too. And they, they, they might have made the mistake that it, because it's theater for young audiences, it's only for children. But a good right. story yeah. and, uh, and you know, something that's done with uh, great skill is interesting to any age. So yeah. though we're a theater for young audiences, it's not like we're barring the adults at all. I think it's just that focus on being mindful that we are creating something that really will work for four-year-olds or eight-year-olds or 16-year-olds. Yeah. And so, adults are part of that. So when we started talking about this a year and a half ago or <laughs> so, about bringing it to the Arts Centre, uh, what opportunities does that present for you about uh, bringing a show that was created for young audiences to audiences that and we certainly have young people come, yeah. but uh, not exclusively? Yeah, I think that there, uh, you're plugged into this realization that, that our audiences want to be of all ages yeah. in, in this art form, that we, and that we, uh, that, that there are things that are of concern to young people that mm. adults should be looking at. Be, you know, stories that, that involve young people can be of great importance 
for adults mm -hmm. and so it, for for me it's an opportunity for us to to show that we can tell stories of a particular nature that speak to many many people and that that's you know our hope in our own work in our own city but it's also a great opportunity to kind of preach that yeah. uh, to and share that with people who also get that i mean i love the idea that your season is focused on youth because there is something to be talked about at all levels young people talking about yeah. the issues of of their lives and adults talking about it. i i i don't think we're talking to be like to, i was at the show last night i was reminded of like that experience in school in the schoolyard mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is so wonderful to be reminded of because mm -hmm. we all have that experience we mm -hmm. all have whether it's a recent or distant memory <laughs> mm -hmm. we all have that experience and it's how we yeah. learn to socialize yes and to make that the milieu for yeah. a play yeah it's terrific mm -hmm. do you um read plays differently when you're reading a play for lorraine kimza than you would at say pte i mean other than perhaps obvious signatures like language or whatever but do you do you do it differently i i don't think so I, um when i was at uh, Prairie Theatre Exchange in Winnipeg. Uh, my first job as an artistic director, I I felt a bit tyrannized by the reality that the, the the budget is only so big, and so you're going to only be able to do a certain amount of stuff. Some things you're going to oh, close that play because it has 27 <laughs> people in it, and you're not going to be able to fit them all into your space, or there's not enough money. And uh, I thought, well, I have to accept that as a reality. So mm. I'm going to give myself an, a, another task master. Uh, and that is a theme. I'm going to give the season a theme so that if I'm making choices, I'm uh, doing that inside of an artistic theme for the whole season, that that becomes my other master so that I'm mm. not just making decisions in the end based on what I can afford. I am also making them based on what kind of theme uh, we're having. And part of my interest then was having, th what attracted me to being an artistic director was the ongoing conversation with the audience. I'd done, done yeah. all kinds of plays, dropping in, direct the play, it all went very well and I'm off the next yeah. morning after opening to another city to do another play. And I wanted to have an ongoing relationship. So I, you know, mm. I thought, okay, well, a season is an ongoing dialogue. When I started at uh, Young People's Theatre, and we're going back to our original name, Young People's Theatre, so I'm going to start saying that, <laughs> Young People's oh. Theatre. Um, when I started there, I, I thought, oh, you know, with children being so different from four years old to seven years old to nine years old, I'm not sure that a theme is really possible, so I may not be able to do that. But after the first season, I began to find the same desire to link everything, because partly the programming you do is coming from what you are currently as an artist kind of mm. focusing on what's what's concerning you or what's fascinating mm. you and and in my position it's also what I'm what I'm observing in the lives of young people and the people who care about them and those start to become you know themes so the the theme that this revival of I think I can uh, the season theme was friends peers and the need to belong and it was all about the social life of young people and in a way the lives of young people when the adults are at the fringes maybe observing but it's it's where the kids are negotiating with each other how to 
how to get along, how to uh, cope with somebody grabbing the power, or that sort of thing. And that, that's kind of in all of the mm-hmm. plays um, this particular season. It's, it's a terrific segue into I Think I Can, because uh, I was told a couple of weeks ago a really interesting idea mm-hmm. amongst uh, therapists, mm-hmm. psychotherapists, that the belief has been for many years that the family is the prime place in which our relationships and identities are forged. Mm -hmm. And now there's a lot of studies being done into peer group Mm -hmm. because one of the phenomena of bullying is uh, when there's negative violence that happens in a peer group, the kids don't tell the parents Mm -hmm. because they don't want to be shamed in that way. Mm -hmm. So it's pointing to the influence our peer groups, our community, our mm-hmm. friend, our school mm-hmm. has on building our psyches for life. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so uh, terrifically explored, and I think I can. And every time we talk about the themes of a play in a work that we are um, in rehearsal for or in development of, you start talking about the fact that it's very important for 10 year Ten and eleven-year-olds to kind of get that that there are rules, but there's something underneath the rules that that you need to actually understand more deeply. Because there's a point at which the rules, black and white applied, don't work anymore. You've got to right. have a bit more of a an understanding of the philosophy for it. And everybody in the room goes, "Yeah, yeah, I'm still working on that." And you realize <laughs> you realize uh. that. Lots of these things that, that, that are important in the lives of kids are still important in the lives of adults. We're, we don't all get it all perfectly. And, and bullying or, or power struggles, I'm, uh, you know, the negotiation of mm. who's got control or surrendering control when it needs to be somebody else's turn. Well, that happens in the workplace. That happens in yeah. families. It's not just the... the the stuff that kids are, are maybe encountering for the first time. We encounter many of these same stories and same issues, yes, in adult circumstances, but there's something in those stories that is valuable for adults to look at again or to observe uh, again and rethink because there are young people in their lives, whether yeah. they are their own children or their grandchildren or people, young people yeah. that they care about. Yeah. Uh, so I, I see that link. Uh, absolutely um, uh, there for adults in all of the work that we do. There's something going on that is there for everybody to connect well, with. The, the, and I guess that's mm-hmm. what I mean by the mm-hmm. radical aspect to the show, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you'll see, I mean, it's got <clears throat> some of the best tap dancing you're ever going to see, and it's so enjoyable on that level. Mm-hmm. But it's radical, too, because for this cast, today's audience might be the first time they've performed mm-hmm. this show for mm-hmm. as many adults. Yeah. In mm-hmm. one sitting, yeah. yeah, and so it's interesting. Yeah, and to, for it reminds us that this is a valid experience, not mm-hmm. one that we're all past and you know. Yeah, we, it has nothing um, to do with us. It's no. an interesting experiment. Yeah. I, I would love you to tell us, share a bit, because it is a wild story mm-hmm. about how I think I can mm-hmm. came to be, and mm-hmm. I talk about it a little in the program mm-hmm. because I laughed so much. <laughs> hearing about this. Mm, can, yeah. you, can you share with us how well, it uh, all when started? When I got to Toronto, Florence Gibson was a, is a playwright that I greatly admire, and I called her up and I said, would you be interested in writing for young audiences? I don't know if you have before, but I'd like to talk to you. And she kind of said, I'll be right over. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it did feel like she arrived minutes later, but it probably was a couple of days. But she had been thinking about it. And uh, she 
she said, I have this story that I want to uh, explore. I'm really interested in the adventure of science, the, the kind of thrill of science. And I want to talk about the politics of the schoolyard. I'm really interested in, in how kids negotiate those things when they're kind of on their own to do it. And it's all told in tap dance. And I was, really? <laughs> and I said, Florence, I didn't know. Do you tap? Oh, no. No, I don't, she said. Uh, I love tap. And she said she took it for two years. Uh, and was a huge fan of Savvy and Glover's work. But um, mm. no, she just felt strongly that that this piece could be told in that art form. And she said um, that the central character, the boy of Tip, she saw him having a, uh, a, a sort of signature rhythm. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Oh, okay. And that was the tap rhythm that she imagined for him. But the whole time I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, <laughs> because <laughs> all I could think of was Ruby Keeler and, you know, time steps and, you know, little girls in, like, frilly dresses. And, uh, I, and yes, I knew Savvy and Glover's work, but it just, it, it just didn't So seem... where did you go from there? So, like, unlike a traditional play that you would, she would write a draft of and send you and you could read, how did you proceed? Well, we, I said, can you flesh out this um, outline? And she did. And it certainly seemed like... a. a a story that had some potential, but this whole question of whether or not it could be done in tap was a mystery. And so the, I realized that the only way to find out was to get some dancers in a room together and see if we could find out, if I could see tap as a, a dance form that could tell a story. And uh, I asked around and everyone said, Sean Byfield is absolutely the guy you've got to get them to meet. They met, they hit it off immediately. He said, oh, absolutely, yeah. I." I think this could work. So we got six dancers in a room together, and they took, I don't know, I think one of her first scenes, and they worked on it for a day, and we brought the staff in, and they all said, uh, well, I, I think I saw, is that a boy with a disability? And uh, was that a, that, you know, and they kind of saw bits of it, and we all kind of said, um, not really working, it's not specific enough. So they went back to work, and he worked on just five minutes of the first scene. and. We brought staff back, and they all watched it, and they saw everything. And we all did. We all saw that it was very clear. And it wasn't that it's absolutely literal, because the, the, the tap and the, the movement can't really replace word for word what someone is saying. But it, tap is very expressive. And of course, duh, it's not just a visual form. It's also an aural form. The sound yeah. speaks a great deal. And so it became clear that, that it was a possibility. So we began to think, how are we going to marshal the resources to, to uh, develop the thing? And we, um, we had some, uh, we, we did, uh, made a plan for further development, and we had some auditions to try and get uh, the right kind of people who would be willing to work on it. And uh, Sean started doing some work with them in the auditions, and I asked Nancy Webster, who was our managing director at the time, I said, you've got to see this, because the talent is ridiculous. I mean, it's so incredible. And, and uh, she came in and said, you're right, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you think we can do this? Can we? And she said, we have to. We have to do this, because it's so exciting that this kind of talent and this kind of different way of telling a story is possible. And so we took, it took a few years. Uh, yeah. This was probably 2004 and 2005. 
and we premiered it in 2007. And 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 what I love is the way the kids watch it because they watch it like this, and they kind of they I say they read it like they read you'd read Braille. They're reading. The sound of it, the visuals of it—it's not absolutely literal, but but it is, and they totally get the power dynamics that are going on. The the characterizations are very clear to them. It, it is so familiar to them. The classroom scenes are, yeah, they know all of that, and they're they're, they're reading. And what what I love about young audiences is that they do tend to take things at face value, and as they get older, they start to see layer upon layer. Underneath, mm. so you you have this really uh, a variety of ways of watching a piece that uh, that has an incredible energy in the room. It, it has the mm. unique distinction of uh, like it uh, won the Dora Mavermore Award mm. for Best Musical. Yes, and there are no songs in it. No, no. Uh, we're kind of proud of that. <laughs> Outstanding new musical, <laughs> and there's no songs. But but it is extremely musical because oh, yeah. of the 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 rhythm of it. Yeah, and uh, if you. Talk to Sean about the roots of tap dance, uh, and you know it draws on many dance forms. But mm. some of the dance forms it uh, draws on are stomp.